Welcome to Rad Reading, a bookish podcast where the R stands for refreshed and the D stands for discover, and where we try to help you do those two things for your reading life. I'm Ronnie Lauren, a best-selling romance author who likes her reading life to be big on variety and full of complicated characters. And I'm Dawn Alexander, an indie editor who never met a whodunit she didn't want to solve or an intricate plot she didn't want to untangle. We are two very different readers, but two very good friends who love to talk books. Join us as we tackle reading roadblocks, give our best bookish tips, and of course, recommend all the great reads that have kept us turning the pages that week. Let's get started. Welcome back to Rad Reading. I'm Ronnie. And I'm Dawn. And today we are welcoming a guest. So we are excited to um, bring to you romance author Pippa Grant. Um, Hi, Pippa. Hi. (laughs) Um, Just to give you all a little bit about Pippa, I'm going to read her bio for you, but Pippa Grant is a USA Today and number one Amazon bestselling author who writes romantic comedies that will make tears run down your leg. When she's not reading, writing, or sleeping, she's being crowned employee of the month as a stay-at-home mom and housewife trying to prepare her adorable demon spawn to be productive members of society, all while while fantasizing about long walks on the beach with hot chocolate chip cookies. It's a cute bio. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Well, and I love the idea of long walks on the beach with chocolate chip cookies. I've never (laughs) actually eaten cookies on a beach. Just but don't it drop feels them. like something. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you just take one for the team on that one, though. <laughs> like, little dust is fine. Just knock that off. We'll go a little on. crunch. Yeah, I'm for any walk with a chocolate chip cookie. You know, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter yeah, where that's... I'm at. Um, so, Pippa, thanks for joining us. And when we ask a guest to be on, sometimes um, we have a topic in mind, but other times we're like, "Hey, what would you like to talk about?" And Pippa had a great idea um, to talk about unlikable heroines. So today you're going to get the benefit of hearing our theories on unlikable heroines. And we also have some books to recommend um, along the way. So um, to get started though, um, we want to talk a little bit about Pippa and tell us a little bit about what you write and kind of what you love to write in a heroine. Um, I write romantic comedies. They tend to be pretty funny and even Goodreads says so. So I, I don't feel like I'm being <laughs> egotistical when I say I'm funny. Um, but I love to write strong heroines who like don't take any crap. And it's such a hard balance to write people, to write heroines especially, who cannot get away with the same things that heroes can get away with in books because we expect them to be so much more likable. And I love writing likable heroines, but I also just absolutely adore dipping my toes into the harder heroines who might like have self-esteem issues or who might just really, really want to go far in their career or they don't, they're just not interested in love because they've been burned by it before. And it's so hard sometimes to get that balance right to where readers can really sink in and feel like they're escaping into a book while also relating with somebody who's a little harder. But I love heroines. I I was talking to a friend the other day. I was like, you know what? I know that books about brothers sell, but I love writing books about sisters and sisterhoods mm-hmm. and friend groups that are ladies. Yes, <laughs> I agree. I love writing a great fit friend group. And I will tell you, you are funny. So I was reading your book, <laughs> um, Stud in the Stacks. I think, am I getting mm-hmm. the title right? Yes. And we both get labeled in the rom-com genre, like me, my books and your books. And when people say mine are rom-com, I'm like, no, no, if you really want funny, like that is not my books. <laughs> I have funny things that happen, like, you know, or mm-hmm. somebody will say something funny, but they're kind of more emotional, kind of darker backstory things. If you want funny, you guys, Pippa Grant, your book gave me like the feeling of like watching the 1940s screwball comedies, like oh, your Lucille Ball and your Catherine Hepburn, where like, it's just, they get themselves into these situations. Like, I think the scene that made me laugh was she gets stuck in the bathroom with the hero and the handle breaks off. She's in the men's room. Um, and I'm like, so it just, I can picture like Lucille Ball doing that, like getting stuck in the bathroom, but they're way sexier than those 1940s comedy comics. So <laughs> just, just a little morning. <laughs> They show a little more more skin than Lucille Ball did. <laughs> Lucy and Ricky weren't doing this. <laughs> right? They would have if they could have, but you know. Fools. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so, and you have a new book coming out September 29th. So tell us a little bit about that one. Oh my gosh, it's Cooper Rock's book, which might not mean anything to you, but um, (laughs) Cooper Rock walked onto the page and flirting with the frenemy, which came out almost three and a half years ago. And my readers have been asking for him ever since. So I have written like three or four more books in the bro code series that flirting with the frenemy started with. And Cooper has a cameo in every one. And I spun off the Copper Valley Fireballs baseball series 
off of the bro code series. And that's about a baseball team that Cooper plays for. And he's in every one of those. And he's like playboy, cocky, egotistical baseball player who plays for the worst team in baseball. And they've had quite the journey since his first appearance. And my readers have been asking for him and begging for him. And it's taken me forever. But I finally, finally figured out who his heroine was. And I was working actually this morning on getting things ready for launch. And I'm, I'm so excited about it. It's such a fun book to take like this guy who's just, you know, he likes to sleep around. He believes in his team, even though they've been awful and they've lost a whole lot during his time and just watch him grow into a character who can be a full-time hero who deserves his pop star heroine. Because you can't take a guy with as much ego as Cooper Rock and not give him a heroine who is like just levels and levels and levels above him in the stratosphere. It was so much fun to write. I can't wait. That's awesome. And what day does it come out? It comes out September 29th. Awesome. Awesome. And what was the title? I missed it. Oh, it's called Irresistible Trouble. I don't even know if I said the title. (laughs) (laughs) All of us are still great at promoting ourselves. We're like, we talk. I know we're horrible. (laughs) I keep calling this book Team Whooperly because um, his heroine's name is Waverly. And somewhere in the book, he like declares that they're Team Whooperly. And uh, Jessica, my editor, keeps saying, I'm going to fire you if you make me say that (laughs) that word one more time. And listeners will recognize Jess because Jessica was on our podcast before. So that is who edits uh, Pippa, but that's awesome. She's amazing. Yeah. We're excited for you. All right. So unlikable heroines. Um, And before we even get started into this, I do want to mention if me and Dawn sound sexier than normal, um, we are both getting over COVID. So we're going to do the best we can to keep our voices um, not going out through this. But if we sound a little weird, that is why. Um, But yeah. I kept telling her that we needed to call this rad reading after dark she kept turning me down on that so <laughs> yeah sounds sexy don't feel so sexy right now no, but i yeah. feel sexy at all no i would but... try to emulate a sexy voice but i i write rom-coms it would it would come out sounding like i write rom-coms <laughs> right, right. so we we're talking about how you know the unlikable heroine is we also write likable heroines so most of our books i would say at least for me my heroines, I try to make them, you know, sympathetic and that the reader can identify with her and like her instantly. But sometimes a character shows up on the page and, you know, she's just got a different personality and attitude. Um, And that is what we label an unlikable heroine. But I wanted to specify before we get into the types that we kind of came up with is this doesn't mean that you just don't like her, (laughs) like that is just a badly written heroine. So Dawn, as an editor, there are certain heroines that you're like, you know, unlikable for a different reason. Yeah, we refer to them as too stupid to live. And those are the heroines that you're like, those are the girls who, you know, run upstairs in the horror movie completely unarmed to go see what the noise is upstairs. Girls, go out the front door. Go out the front door with your cell phone dialing 911. Um, And so what we're talking about today is different than that. It's just because you wouldn't respond the way a certain heroine does, doesn't mean that they're necessarily unlikable. These are more unlikable because of their personality. Yeah, and typically it means that they don't have an acceptable female personality, quote unquote, heavy quotes, um, in society's eyes. So Mm -hmm. these are the characters that if it was a hero who had this personality, he'd be called an alpha hole or he'd be called super, you know, tough or cold-hearted, but, you know, we're going to melt his heart and all of that the heroes get lots more leeway um, on the likability thing than the heroines do. Um, and Pippa, do you have thoughts about that? I do. I mean, Cooper Rock is a prime example of someone who can totally get away with being a hero, but he couldn't get away with being a heroine. He's got so much ego and he sleeps around and he plays pranks on people. And if you superimpose that into a woman exactly like that, he, he wouldn't be, he wouldn't be as likable as a woman as he is and it's hard too um i was contemplating unlikable heroines recently because my my last book had what i would term an unlikable heroine my editors kept saying no no she's not unlikable she's not unlikable and they're right um i like her i like her but i acknowledge that she's not the easiest person to love you know and she does a lot of things that men would get away with she's a driven her name is phoebe she's in um the book the one who loves you she she's super driven in her job. She grew up in a very, very rich family. So she takes a lot of things for granted. Like the world is her oyster and she knows it. And her journey is discovering that she doesn't like herself and coming to like all the things about 
herself that she has kept hidden because it wasn't safe mm -hmm. in her world for her to let all of that out. And I think that really speaks to our world right now too. I mean, mm -hmm. how many things are we told as women that we shouldn't like about ourselves that are the exact same things that we don't like in heroines? And if we, I have this theory that we could take down the patriarchy if we started embracing all the things that we're not supposed to like about ourselves. So if writing a hard heroine every once in a while with those things inside of her that we might not like about ourselves is a way for us to start accepting ourselves, then I am all in. I will do it. Yeah, not every book, but. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, the right heroine has to be for the right book. And no, I like what you said about them not feeling safe to let the, those things out because mm -hmm. the first type that we were going to talk about is kind of your classic unlikable heroine that we would call, you know, the bitch uh, for mm -hmm. lack of a better term, but she's there often- goes our clean rating again. <laughs> Sorry. For some reason, you know, she is holding back parts of herself because usually she's been hurt in some way, or there's something in her backstory that she does not feel safe to let people see anything but kind of the tough part of her. Um, but when she comes onto the page, you know, and walks into a book, she's not real concerned with protecting anybody's feelings. You know, she's got her mission and what she's going to do. She speaks her mind. If you can't handle that, oh, well. Um, and she knows that people think this about her. Like she usually, usually these characters kind of own that label, even if they might not secretly like it about themselves, they own that, you know, people think I'm a bitch. And so I'm just going to lean into it. Um, but she's, she's a bitch for a reason, you guys, right? Always, always. <laughs> I, oh God, I love that, that story arc where you just dig in deep and you're like, oh, that's why she does that. And it's so relatable because how many of us have been like that before? Like, I really wish I hadn't done that, but I understand that like, this is where I came from. And so it was natural. It was the reaction. It was to protect myself. And, oh, it's so fun. I love the journey. I yeah. love the journey. And I think the harder heroines have such a great journey. Yeah. And I think as a writer, that gives us a lot of meat to dig into. It's like, because it's just, mm -hmm. you have to bring them so far along to make them open to love. And, mm -hmm. you know, you don't want to make them necessarily quote unquote likable. You don't want to change who they are, but to open up to vulnerability um, is a big journey. So they have been through some stuff. <laughs> they have. And I think one of my favorite things about the bitch is that she can just say whatever she wants. Mm -hmm. I want to say what I want. <laughs> I so rarely do, but I just want to say what I I just want to say it sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, and we squash yeah. it and they don't. And I admire that, that openness. And I think it also gives opportunity for a great hero because a hero that can like look at that personality in the face and be like, oh yeah, I'm either into this or I'm going to like figure her out is like a really interesting hero so that he doesn't just write her off like other people do um, as, mm -hmm. you know, this bitchy woman. Um, mm -hmm. So I like to pair these heroines. I tend to play them with or pair them with like the playful kind of easygoing hero, the one who like, you can throw whatever at him and it just rolls off his back like water on a duck. And you know, he can just take barbs or insults and be like, uh-huh, okay. Cause he sees through it. Um, but Pippa, do you have a, a hero that you like pairing with um, that type? Oh, I love the happy heroes. I've done both. I've done mm -hmm. grumpy, like the grumpy right back heroes and I've done the happy heroes and they both give me joy cause there's conflict in both. And there's room for growth for both characters in both ways. Yeah. Yeah. Dawn, what about you? Do you see kind of the grumpy, grumpy or grumpy sunshine on this, this trope when you were editing? What I see, I see a lot of both as Pippa was just saying, the one thing you do have to be careful though, for my writers out there is if you are pairing this heroine with the kind of easygoing, fun, loving guy, you've got to make sure it's not somebody she can walk all over. Because generally you find that that heroine needs somebody who can stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with her when they have to, but can also put up with her ranting and raving and then, but know when to step in when it's serious. And sometimes you see it where you're like, okay, this dude's just a doormat. You, you need somebody else. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think it takes a lot to stay with her when she's in that mode and, you know, kind of push through that. Yeah, you have to be tough. And she's used to people getting out of her way. It's worked because it keeps everyone away. So this guy won't mm -hmm. go away now. Why is he still here? <laughs> you know, and that gives you the story. Um, and we're going to talk about some books, as, you know, when we get to the book recommendations that have this, um, these different types, but the next type that we talked about or put on our list um, was my career is everything heroin. So I think Pippa, you were saying you had one recently that you wrote like this, where 
the heroine doesn't necessarily buy into the story that I'm supposed to spend my life going to find a husband or, you know, get married and have kids. And um, she wants to have a career and she knows that she's going to have to, you know, go at it really hard to get where she wants to be. Um, so she's not really like worried about looking for dating and guys and they're just kind of a distraction. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And in, in Phoebe's case and the one who loves you, um, she wanted to be the CEO of her family's company and she wanted to be the first female CEO, which I feel like adds an unlikability factor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to be the first woman to do this. You know, sometimes people are like, oh, honey, sit down, sit mm-hmm. down. If it happens, it happens. Um, but yeah, I, it was fun writing her and having her struggle with realizing that her career might or might not be everything. And I don't think there's anything wrong with your career being everything. Mm-hmm. I just think that sometimes you have to like decide, is that really what I want? Or is it just what's been spoon fed to me? And in Phoebe's case, it was spoon fed to her her whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I like to think you can have it all. And yeah. you get to define what all is. Right. <laughs> it's not necessarily like the world says I need this. It's more like my all is having a career and a dog. You know, mm-hmm. maybe the dog is what you need to be complete. Right, right. And this, I think this character kind of archetype is really recognizable even to people who aren't readers because we see this a lot in romantic comedy movies Mm -hmm. that like you know woman who's always busy and she's really uptight and you know she's the power suits and all of those things and I think the interesting part about this is it's starting to shift a little bit that a lot of times and we're gonna you know talk about some wrecks I said but like it used to be a really clear arc about this heroine right like this is the small town hallmark style kind of romance where she like leaves the big city and she goes to like you know I don't know Blue Falls Minnesota or something and (laughs) everything is easier and simpler and it's really hot lumberjacks and you know she is there's and I'm not saying this that there's anything wrong with these stories because I totally am there for the hot lumberjack but it was an arc of you go to this small town you realize work isn't everything I really want to settle down and have this like simpler life. And for some people that might be the answer, but I'm starting to see um, some books now where she can have it all, where she can say, oh, hey, no, I actually do want to be the CEO and have the hot you know, guy and maybe have kids or a dog or not. Um, and it's okay. That's her happy ending too. So I'm, I think that all goes back to the patriarchy thing of like, we're told you either have to be the bitch who doesn't have kids if you want to succeed Mm-hmm. Or you have to be the stay-at-home mom if you want to have this family life. And there is a place in between. Um, all three of us, I think, are, you know, moms who have thriving careers and, you know, work hard too. So it can be done. And I'm starting to finally um, see it in books, which is nice because it used to always be the same arc, even in the romantic comedy movies. Mm-hmm. Well, and in the Hallmark movies, that's always the villain. The villain mm-hmm. is always the, the guy's always with the girl who's, she's so wrapped up in her job and she wants all of this high powered stuff. And then he falls in love with the sweet little baker who lives down the Mm -hmm. street and makes, you know, Pinterest briefs or something. I don't know. (laughs) But but I think it's interesting to say like, okay, but what happens to the woman who wanted the career? Mm -hmm. You know, maybe she wasn't the right heroine for him, but she gets to have a happily ever after too. I mean, sometimes they're really bad, but I mean, we see that that arc so often of you know and it always ends up with her getting some kind of comeuppance of you know her favorite suit gets wine spilled on it and it makes me think of the movie the proposal with sandra bullock that she is that person and then there's this great scene with um well there's a couple of great scenes there's one in particular that involves a nude ryan reynolds but that's not my point right now um, <laughs> But there's this great scene with her and Ryan Reynolds where this guy had called her a bitch at work the day before. And you find out that she went and cried in the bathroom afterwards. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I think being able to show both sides of that is a really great way to f- completely round out your character. That if you are writing these kind of characters or when we're reading these kind of characters, we're looking for that moment of okay, this is her armor, show us what's under it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think any of us want to be called the bitch, even the ones of, who will own it or like wear the t-shirt that says badass bitch. Like, I don't think deep mm-hmm. down, a lot of us want that label. It's just, sometimes you have to own the thing that is used in an insult just to like take it back. 
Um, but yeah, so I think showing those sides are really important in the character. And I hate movies that that's the villain and they never show any other like same layer. Mm -hmm. I go out of my way to try to avoid making women the bad guy in my books because I think we've had enough of that in the world. And like, I don't like to say anything is lazy writing, but I feel like that just feeds into the idea that women are enemies to each Mm -hmm. other. And it's easy conflict because it's what's been fed to us. So Mm -hmm. I do. I hate like I love an unlikable heroine, but I love unlikable secondary characters who are still friends even more Mm -hmm. than the enemies. And what's happened for me, one of the books I'm going to talk about that's mine, um, that this falls into is I wrote her as a villain in the first book. Like she was that villain. And then I was like, ah, <laughs> wait, you guys, I'm going to change your mind about her, you know? And that gave me like, but yeah, in the first book, she's in that classic like role. And, you know, as a writer, the whole time I'm thinking, why is she like this? Why is she like this? And that ends up being the second book, which, but yeah, I think just that kind of cookie cutter, the evil bitch is you know, doesn't work anymore and shouldn't. Um, Then our next one is a personal favorite of mine since I started writing an erotic romance is the sexually liberated heroine. So this is the opposite of what we think of and, you know, the old school romances of every heroine was a virgin and she she was an ingenue and just, you know, very innocent. Um, This heroine enjoys sex. She doesn't buy into the rules that she's supposed to like be with one person or have some sort of type of relationship. she thinks, you know, why should guys get to sleep around without emotional attachment? And I can't. Um, and that traditionally, when I've looked at book like reviews and stuff, even women readers have a hard time with the sexually liberated heroine, like a really hard time. Have you seen that, Pippa? Oh, yeah. I saw a review on my first Pippa Grant book, Mr. McCotty. There's, there's a super, super hot, sexy scene in the elevator where she and her brother's best friend from high school, who's now her billionaire boss, um, they, they bang in the elevator, hardcore. And mm-hmm. I, you know, one of the top reviews was like, she should have been fired. And I was like, well, what about him? What about him? <laughs> right. It took two. He was a very willing participant in that. So just because he's the owner, he gets no, what? Like that, that, that one made me angry for all mm-hmm. of womanhood. <laughs> not even gonna lie. That yeah. one made me very angry. I tend to not read reviews. I tend to ignore them, but that, God, it was hard to, hit, to just sit on my hands and not yeah. say something back. Cause the, just the, ugh, it made me mad. Yeah. yeah I don't read it bad reviews anymore but early on when you first start you know you read all those reviews (laughs) so I know I have editor Jess read them for me now I'm like just tell me if there's anything I need to be aware of going forward (laughs) that is a good solid plan yeah I Dawn can easily read my reviews and tell me hey that's that's a service I offer offer Mm -hmm. as an editor so yes I fully I fully support that don't read your own reviews let us handle it (laughs) right and so this heroine might just be like, you know, kind of the wild best friend in a book, you know, like she might be the, the book too. Um, and you have to kind of go with, okay, she's the one that was just freewheeling when the, your first heroine was not. So what do I, you do with that? But it could also be something like your heroine is a sex worker or she, you know, well, used to be, I don't know, work for a strip club or whatever. And so you have all of these things that society will put labels on her and she's not worthy of being a heroine. And you can turn that all around and you need a hero who's not going to be like, well, I've slept around, but she can't, you know, like, so you have to find that guy who's like not intimidated by the fact that, you know, she's got a history and she's not ashamed of it. And I'll, the heroes that I write for those heroines are usually ones that are like, cool. She's got lots of experience. <laughs> like, you know, like, she's into all kinds of stuff. Great. Um, and we also see this in non-romance stories. So she may be like the other woman that's sleeping with a married man or, someone who uses sex to get things she wants. Um, In the current book I'm writing, I have a whole thing about fatal attraction because I have feelings about fatal attraction and how (laughs) the woman is, you know, portrayed in that. I'm not going to get into it. You'll just have to buy a book (laughs) when it comes out. But but you'll see this a lot in thrillers, right? And Dawn, you read a lot of thrillers. So you have that heroine or not, she's not the heroine. She's really the villain, but that if it's the bad girl, then it's, you know, she's the one that's sleeping around with everybody. Right. And you also see a lot that it's okay that that person gets killed. Right. In like the thrillers and mysteries, especially horror if you're movies. reading. That's the trope in horror movies, right? Yes. The person who had sex. Well, I wouldn't know. Sex. Oh yeah. You don't wear, watch the horror <laughs> movies. I do. But the girl who slept with people gets killed. The virgin, you know, just survives. So yes. Yeah. I yeah. grew up in the, you know, 
what we call purity culture now where like keep yourself covered like sex is taboo or girls don't and so it's i love the wild child secondary mm -hmm. characters friends who become the heroines because it's a way for me to explore more than i ever did before things that were just out of bounds and wrong and that i've come to realize are not wrong <laughs> so I love that my romance writing journey has led to me coming more to terms with understanding how I was raised and how I grew up and embracing all of those things that I was told made me bad as a kid, but I realize aren't now. Yeah, I 100% agree because I am the girl who went to all the years of Catholic school and mm -hmm. grew up to write erotic romance. So, you know, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the girl y'all wouldn't have hung out with in high school, but that's okay. <laughs> Oh, but we love the, you now. You were the liberated heroine already, Dawn. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's amazing. That's I wish. Awesome. I wish I could have been liberated in high yeah. school. It took a lot more years than that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same. Same. Um, and then the next heroine is kind of a mix of things, but I called her the messy heroine. So this is a trope that can be used um, to make us like the heroine sometimes, like if she just can't get it together because we all can't get it together, right? But there's a line. Um, where it crosses into like the too messy zone. So this is like the heroine that drinks too much or she tells a friend's secret, she makes a mistake. Um, she hooks up with a friend's ex. She does something that's, you know, against the girl code or something like that. These characters usually aren't first book heroines. The poor first book heroines, they have so much on them, right? <laughs> Series, right? they gotta be such a good girl. Um, but these are the side characters who like, they mess up in an earlier book and then we can redeem them or give you more insight into them in the next book. So do you like a messy heroine? I like the hot messes, but I don't know that my hot messes tend to veer into unlikable territory. Mm -hmm. There's like I, on the Clifton Strength scale, I'm high harmony and high responsibility. And so it's mm -hmm. hard for me to really, really dig into characters that are messier, mm -hmm. like morally. Yeah. It takes a lot. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I've written one of those either. I think I'm trying to think if I've read one that I really, that really worked for me, but I have things like if somebody has addiction issues or something like that's more than I'm going to dig into probably in a romance. Um, mm -hmm. But these are probably heroines you'll see more in thrillers or mysteries where they're making not the best decisions or, you know, they're lying about something or, um, and I, I do have, I think one or two like thriller recommendations that this kind of falls into to that. But in romance, it is harder, I think, to have a heroine that's super messy and not just like lovable messy, you know? Yeah. In yeah. rom-com, it tends to be lovable messy if we're mm -hmm. messy. Mm -hmm. This made me think of Summer Sisters by Judy Bloom, which I think was my rad, re rad wreck of the week on one of our previous episodes because it's not the heroine but it is her best friend who is just a train wreck and you still very much get to know that character and you get to see the character through the best friend and get to see how that impacts the relationship and also get to see how the best friend can see she's covering stuff up by doing this she's acting this way because of some some issues and I think that's a great parallel for real life because we all know those people that from the outside looking in, somebody would be like, they, they need to get it together. And mm -hmm. if you are their best friend or if you're their cousin or whatever, you're thinking, right, but I can't tell you everything that's going on, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think it builds in that empathy mm -hmm. and my Clifton Strengths empathy is in my top five. So I'm like, I think it builds in that empathy. We need that empathy for the characters, which draws the reader in tighter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes it's used as to enhance your heroine as the side friend that she's understanding of this person who is messy. Um, she's there for her and she, you know, so I think it shows that we can love a messy person um, without having to deal with it as your heroine, which can be tough in the writing. But, um, mm -hmm. and then this is more, non-romance because we do talk about other genres in this podcast but there's actual villains like actual you know female villains and we see this in suspense so she's really a murderer or she's a sociopath but for some reason you're still drawn to her so she's unlikable but it's like compelling um I think of it not it's not a female one but in the book you by Carolyn Kepnes like he's a serial killer but you're like oh Joe <laughs> he's so likable <laughs> yeah. He would just stop that killing people problem. <laughs> like he'd be so great to hang out with. Um, but 
she has good reasons. So this is a tricky thing to write. I have not written this because I don't write um, thrillers, but I like reading it. And I do have a recommendation for this. Um, but whatever it is about her, she's unlikable in society, but there's some reason you're pulling for her to win or succeed or, you know, whatever it is she's, she's doing. So Dawn, do you see this in your thriller reading? Yeah, I, could, I was trying to think of one, the title of one right offhand, but I've seen a couple of them recently that you're like, oh, I would totally go have margaritas with you. That whole, like, <laughs> you happen to be killing people on the side. I mean, we all have flaws, so... <laughs> okay you're not gonna okay. kill me but so that's all right but mm-hmm. and I think that's a a sign of some really talented writing when the author can make us not even it's not even that you can still relate to it because sometimes it's like you know cool motive still murder but it's like <laughs> yeah I'd consider that I would think mm-hmm. about that for more than a minute on whether or not I would actually you know, help you hide that body. So, mm-hmm. well, I mean, how many of us read Gone Girl and we're like, well, you know, <laughs> kind of deserved it, you know? <laughs> I'm telling you, after reading Gone Girl and Dark Places, and there's one other one I'm forgetting, if I was uh, Sharp Objects, Jillian, maybe Jillian, yeah, Sharp Objects, if I was Jillian Flynn's husband, <laughs> I would be amazingly <laughs> kind to her. I'm just saying. <laughs> girl has got some plans i'm being <laughs> on my absolute best behavior at all times with her what's so funny is that some authors who like jillian or gillian flynn i don't know how she pronounces it but um that writes such dark books when you see people in interviews they're like the nicest people <laughs> like i think it's kind of like when i write really erotic romance and then people interview me and i'm like this dorky awkward girl you know and they're, they're like wait what that's what you write but yeah i think it's funny because we must just have these deep like her villainous thing she has to write in a book because otherwise she might actually let it out in real life. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm terrified my daughter is gonna no I'm not terrified that my daughter's gonna grow up to be that person but oh my goodness we were on a float trip a year ago and there was something red on the bank and we were like what is that like are the roots of the grass red did somebody spill paint and she's like eight and she goes oh that's blood <laughs> we were like what <laughs> I think that she is going to be like, if she follows in mom's footsteps, she's not going to go down the rom-com path. She's going to go down. And I was like, you're going to be the next Stephen King. And she was like, excuse me, that's Stephen Queen. Oh, well, good for her. <laughs> okay. But yeah, yes. it's funny to see it in somebody so young. She's like, I like reading the dark stuff. Bring the yeah. Halloween movies. Me- meanwhile, I'm like, I can't watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer after a seven o'clock at night or I'll have nightmares. <laughs> see, yes. you, you yes. never know. You never know because I grew up reading horror. So I was the R.L. Mm-hmm. Stein, Christopher Pike. I didn't read romance to it. I was a grown up and now I'm writing it. So you never know. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I like the dark stuff too. So I appreciate that about it. Stephen Queen. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Perfect. <laughs> Um, all right. So those are the types we came up with. I'm sure there are more. Um, so if you have any out there readers, um, feel free to share with it on the Facebook page. If you have a certain type of unlikable heroine, I did want to ask y'all as authors though, how you feel about writing the unlikable heroines, because I do see with my clients, they worry incessantly that the readers are going to just rip them to shreds in the reviews. Because as Pippa mentioned earlier, the hero can get away with a lot more than the heroine can. And there's times I've been in consultations with clients and I'm like, oh, well, what if she does this? And the client will be like, they'll hate her. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll absolutely mm-hmm. hate her. And they'll, you know, put it in the reviews and nobody will read the book. So is that something you consider when you're looking at, I'm going to write this heroine that is not necessarily going to fit the manic pixie dream girl mold? It depends on how recently I've had a book bomb. <laughs> <laughs> honesty which sounds bad but um I like to pay my bills and I Mm -hmm. also like to write unlikable heroines (laughs) so (laughs) I look for that balance and sometimes I'm like you know what I will acknowledge that this is a me book but this is not the last book I'm ever going to write and this book is going to speak to the person that it needs to speak to and this book is going to change someone's life maybe it won't speak to as many people as the book with the likable heroine but like I've been on this massive journey of self-discovery and self-acceptance in the last few years. And so I'm like, I write funny books, but if I can sneak in a few truth bombs and make people feel a little better about themselves on the way, then I am absolutely going to do it every time. Yeah. 
I, I agree that I kind of pay attention to not too many, you know, in a row or anything like that. Like my ones who got away series, there's one book with an unlikable heroine. So the off the clock series, there's one book with an unlikable heroine. So I can't say that I write a bunch in a row, but I do, if a character comes to me, I'm, I'm total pantser, you know, when we talk about plotting and pantsing. So it's like, sometimes I can't make that decision. It wasn't like a purposeful thing. Like the one I'm going to talk about, she just showed up as the villain in the first book. And then I was like, what is is she about? Um, So I didn't say, oh, I'm going to write this one. And the next one's going to be a tougher heroine. Um, So it kind of, you know, happens as it goes, but I I also do like to make money. So I don't want to write a whole bunch of (laughs) you know, unlikable characters, but I feel like my readers have mostly stuck with me with the unlikable heroines, because if you write it and you redeem them, not redeem them, because they don't really need to be redeemed, but if you open up um, the character so that they can see the vulnerability and why they are the way they are, I think Mm -hmm. that empathy happens. And then they're like, oh, okay. So like, I'm here with her, Um, but they have to give it, readers have to give it like the first couple of chapters, because she's going to be not so great early in Mm -hmm. the book. Um, so yeah, I don't do it all the time, but when it happens, I'm just kind of like, well, you know, this is a story that came to me and I'm going to have to tell it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And my readers come to me and they're looking for pure escapism. So I know that I am not going to have as much of a read through and I'm not going to have as big of a readership on my harder heroines, just because mm-hmm. that's not exactly what my readers are looking sure. for. And I know that, and that's okay, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that I'm not like, I have to write books that I enjoy and that sure. are speaking to me too. Mm-hmm. I will go, I will pivot on a dime. I'll be like, oh, oh, this character's in my head. She might not yeah. be likable, but that's where we're going right now. <laughs> but I, I still, <laughs> but I know that they come to me because they want to feel like they're in the book with their best friend mm-hmm. when they're yeah. reading. And so it's part yeah. of my promise. So I break it every once in a while Yeah, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, I understand. Imagine me doing my pitch to my publisher of, I have this series about school shooting that is going to be a romance series and yeah it's so I mean we're going to talk about one of the books in it but like yeah I was like I have to tell these stories and they're like okay so just trust me I'm going to do it and you're going to see it's going to be okay and if you don't like it you don't have to buy it um and it worked out but yeah I I can be a little bit of a (laughs) a rebel I guess (laughs) well I want to tell this story um Mm -hmm. okay so let's go ahead and get to our book Rex um Pippa, I, we told you to bring book recs for our readers. They don't necessarily have to have unlikable heroines. So if you have other ones, it's fine. But what is your first book rec you'd like to share with our readers or listeners? Um, I am halfway through two books with unlikable heroines. Um, okay. The first one is Always Only You by Chloe Lease. And her heroine, Frankie, is straight up front. She's like, I don't want to be liked. I like my, my mission in life is not to be liked. She has um, autism and rheumatoid arthritis. And Mm -hmm. so she has, she takes care of herself first. And I have so much respect for that because so many of us do not take care of ourselves first. Mm -hmm. And she acknowledges that people are, there are going to be people who don't understand her and who don't like her, but she just owns who she is and her hero loves her for it, you know? And I think that that's so powerful and I love that. I love that. And the other one I just started yesterday was by my friend Angelina M. Lopez. She wrote a book called After Hours on Milagro Street. And she, her heroine Alex, she is hard. She's hard. And I'm not yet deep enough into the book to know why she's hard, but I am Mm -hmm. deep enough in the book to want to know why she's hard, to want to know what happened to her and to want to watch Mm -hmm. her journey as she comes along. Yeah. That, that book has a beautiful cover. Angelina and I share an agent. So I, I really like Angelina. She's, she's great. She's, she's a good writer. <laughs> she is. She's amazing. Yeah. I keep mm-hmm. being like, oh, oh, that was a beautiful sentence. Oh, that's a beautiful word. I love this. <laughs> it's my happy place right now. That's what we do when we read you guys. We nerd out about sentences. <laughs> like, <laughs> we do. This metaphor. Oh my God. <laughs> Um, all right. So I alluded to a couple of books that I've written with unlikable heroines and, um, Dawn, I know you have a, a special heart spot in your heart for one of my heroines. So I'm going to let you talk I about do. her first, but I'm going to chime in. <laughs> so technically this is my wreck. Ronnie keeps trying to steal it because she like wrote it or something. <laughs> the nerve. <laughs> I know, right? But when we first started talking about this and doing this as a topic, the one that immediately came to mind for me is L in By the Hour, which happens to be by Ronnie Loren. It is the second book in the 
um oh, pleasure principle series <laughs> pleasure principle series thank you i had to think I about it with my notes <laughs> and as ronnie mentioned earlier Elle's actually the villain in the first book and so you should totally read the first book so that you know you like fully experience the transformation for her here but in the second book which is what we're going to talk about i'll read you the back cover copy and it is Dr. L. McRae has a plan. Work hard, be the best, and do it alone. After her ex-husband's betrayal, she learned being feared is a hell of a lot better, sorry, is a hell of a lot easier than being humiliated. So when trouble personified Lane Cannon, which, oh my God, just, let me just swoon for a moment here, dares to flirt with her, she shuts him down cold, too gorgeous, too cocky, and his job as the gross sexual surrogate is to sleep with patients. No thank you. Former escort Lane Cannon has spent enough years with people looking down on him. Stupid, trailer trash, rent boy, he's heard it all. He's worked too hard to shed his past to let some hottie doctor cut him down, but something about Elle's Ice Queen act has his dominant instincts perking up and his body taking notice. You're going to take notice of his body too. <laughs> he can't walk away. <laughs> After an evening of verbal sparring turns into a night of steamy hate sex, Lane's ready for round two. But Elle proposes a business deal. How better to keep things strictly physical than to pay him for his services? Lane wants her, not her money, but he'll play along in exchange for one thing, all the control. It was supposed to only be a dirty little fling between colleagues, but these two are about to learn a lesson in love by the hour. And I love it. And what I loved about Elle in this is you don't like her in the first book. You're kind of like, okay, what is your problem? And then you find out what her problem is. And then you just want to hug her and tell her that she doesn't have to act that way. And then you want to borrow Lane for an hour, but that's a whole other <laughs> part of the, the equation there. Yeah, so thank you, Dawn. And this is my like one true like ice queen bitch character I've written. I mean, she was mean in the first book. Like she was really, really hard. And um. I needed to know like what would make someone act that way and lane the hero is that what i talked about kind of pairing somebody um, with that easy going like nothing's gonna bother him he's gonna stand up to her and not back down um and then he's also dominant so he's gonna like turn the tables on her when she's used to being the dominant person in every situation but my favorite part of writing this book was it was real hate sex. Like it was an actual hate. They are mean to each other. Like they're insulting each other. She's putting him down. He's telling her she's, you know, but it was like so fun. <laughs> so if I ever write the, you know, unlikable heroine again, like that, that's what I, that's going to be my like candy scene that I get to write is like hate sex. But yeah, she was probably of all the heroines I've written. She's um, stuck with me because it was such a different heroine from what I usually write. And she, you know, she was mean. I mean, I, I didn't like soften her. <laughs> so I'm like, I hope I can sell her to the to readers that they'll buy it. But yeah, I gave her a really dark backstory. So as I tend to do, that's my, that's my problem. Everybody's got a really dark backstory, but yeah. So thank you um, for recommending it, Dawn. And I did pull a quote from a Amazon review just because this is what I was going for. And this is kind of the journey of the unlikable heroine. So this is from Jamie Collins at Amazon. So I wasn't a fan of Elle's, but I kind of fell for Lane straight away and just knew um, we'd be getting a book about him. I couldn't wait, even if I had my doubts about there being redeeming qualities about Elle. She's abrasive, unfriendly, judgmental, and cold. But as you get to know her, you start to see a bit of her softer side. It starts to become clear that her heart exterior was well-formed through a bitter and jaded past, the details which I never saw coming. So that is the goal when I'm writing um, the heroine that is mean, is that the reader will stick with her um, and see why, because there's mm -hmm. a why for everybody. We all do things because of a why. So and that was stick with the heroes to find out that why all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It would yes. be lovely because the heroines are always mean for a reason. Yes. There's never not a reason. Right. We and can't, we can't write those books that don't have a reason for it. Right. And we do sometimes see those heroes that they're just mean and dominant or grumpy just to be grumpy. Now I, I try not to write that. And I'm sure you try not to, too, because we write mm -hmm. backstories, but there are some that mm -hmm. they just get away with it. Like they're just, you know, the jerk and they get to be the jerk mm -hmm. and they're still the jerk after the heroine shows up. They're just not a jerk to her. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I think we need to have more heroines take that role instead. And then one I wanted to recommend that I have recommended in the previous episode, so I'm not going to go too deep into it, but we were talking about 
the work heroine who goes to the small town and is like, oh, everything's great. I'm going to be small town and, you know, leave my job or simplify my life. Well, Emily Henry um, in Book Lovers, she actively goes against this trope. So she has the Sandra Bullock, the proposal character, you know, that uptight, um, she's a literary agent. She's, you know, a bulldog with, you know, her job and her sister is more the small town heroine type. And she wants to go to this small town where one of um, the heroine's books or one of the heroine's author's books is set. And they're going to take this vacation and she's going to like, her sister, I think is trying to like soften her and like, look, we're going to do this. And, um, and she goes to the small town, but that is not the life that she wants. So she runs into the hero who is an editor who also lives in New York. So that's where the story goes, but um, she is very much going in the face of that trope. And I loved it. I love that she was like, no, like the small town answer is not the answer for everyone. Um, so I love how she flipped it. But Dawn, you have any likable heroine recommendations? Well, I have to, of course, talk about Eve Dallas in J.D. Robb's In Death series, because she is the combination of everything that we mentioned whenever we were talking about what these heroines are like, because she doesn't care what you think about her at all. She is not there to make friends. And she very much is very dedicated to her job because she is a detective. And so she has this driving need to get justice for these victims. And what's great about her throughout the series, one is Rourke is absolutely the perfect hero for her because he can go toe to toe with her all the time, but he also knows how to take care of her without weakening her. And I think that's something that you have to look for is, is this hero changing her or is he accepting her? And with Eve, you find out throughout the series of the book, she has a super tight circle of people that she hates everybody else in the world, but these people. And that if you're in that circle, she will do anything in the world for you. And I think that's what makes the characters more endearing too, is to have that. Yeah. I think that can, I'm losing my voice, but I think that can soften um, or not soften, but like give you a peek into the heroine too. If she has a sibling that she cares about or a niece or a nephew, or she has a pet that she cares about like there's that little signal of like she's not horrible she's just protecting mm -hmm. um Cora if we're talking about strengths finders she's a big relater <laughs> where she just wants a small <laughs> yes. group of people um guilty yeah same <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah and I haven't read um in the in-depth series but my guess is she has a job to do that's really really important she's trying to find criminals and trying to solve murders and you know, everything else can take a back seat. So mm -hmm. yeah. And that's heroic. Like mm -hmm. that's heroic, no matter how unlikable she might be. Yes. Like you say, oh, she's a crime scene investigator. And immediately I'm like, I don't care if she's not likable. She's a hero mm -hmm. to me. <laughs> right. Hundred percent. Um, and then my next recommendation is the intimacy experiment by Rosie Dannon. So this is from the author of the roommate and I've recommended the roommate in a previous episode. Um, I will admit, I haven't finished this one yet. Um, but I know enough about it to know that um, the heroine was in the first book. And this is an example of the sexually liberated heroine because Naomi, the heroine in this book was a literal porn star in book one um, and was like completely proud of it. She wasn't like down on her luck and had to turn to porn to make her money. Like she just like chose that as her, you know, career. Um, but now she wants to get out of it and she wants to teach sex positive classes to singles and couples. Um, but no one's going to hire her because of her previous career. So she's, you know, got this challenge in front of her. And then she ends up meeting Ethan, who, I mean, Rosie went for it with being out there. She picks a rabbi hero wow. or a porn star, right? I know. That's so amazing. I know. I love the bravery. <laughs> like, love it. Um, so he's trying to save, he's like a young, you know, kind of nerdy guy but he's trying to save his synagogue because they really have low attendance um so he wants to bring more people in so he hires her to teach classes to the couples and stuff um so she is blunt she's to the point she has to be tough because in that industry obviously she has to stand up for herself and have boundaries um because it could exploit her and she's just not taking anybody's crap so she is mm -hmm. she is that heroine um, but you also get the sense that, like you said, um, Pippa just now, she'll fight for anyone who she loves or cares about, like she will go toe to toe and fight for them. Um, so I really liked 
the whole setup of that book and that she's just going there with it um, because you can't get more sexually liberated than porn star heroine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Pippa, why don't you tell us about one of your books that might fit into this? You know, you were talking about the Hallmark movie and the big city girl in a small town. And I mentioned Phoebe Lightly in The One Who Loves You. And she was the one who, big city life, her grandmother had a near-death experience and came out of it going, oh, we're bad people. We're mm. awful people. We need to go have our Hallmark moment. So mm. Phoebe ends up in this little town called Tickle Pink, Wisconsin, kicking and screaming. She does not want to be there. And her only goal is to get her grandmother to change her mind. It, like her only goal is mm -hmm. to make life in Tickled Pink so awful for everyone that they all want to go. And so that's how she teams up with her grumpy lumberjack hero. He also wants them to go. He doesn't want mm -hmm. them in her town. Um, mm -hmm. But watching her go from someone who is so driven and has never thought about what she wants in her life to really examining like, oh, who am I? What do I want? What matters to me? Do I want to be this person that I've been is just amazing. And she does ultimately decide to stay in Tickled Pink, but she's mm -hmm. not leaving behind all of her drive. She's just mm -hmm. refocusing right. all of her drive, all of her intelligence, all of her money, all of her business acumen. It's all getting turned into a new, into a new mission in life. Like mm -hmm. she's still the same person. She's just happier. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I love finding like, why are you, why you, the way you are? I mean, mm -hmm. I, I didn't grow up rich and I can't imagine growing up feeling like you have to compete with the Joneses on that level mm. all the time. Where like the first person to bring a fancy purse to school is suddenly the person who's most popular. Like mm. I, I mean, I went to Catholic school too. It was mm -hmm. sneakers, you know, like nice. who had the jellies? <laughs> who had the jellies was popular. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can't imagine yeah. competing that way in, no. in a bigger, bigger world. Yeah, yeah. And I think- the point you're making is good with small town or not small town, like if they stay or if they go, the point is the liberated, confident heroine is finding the right one for her. So mm -hmm. what is that happy look for her? And that she has the yeah. choice to make it. Yeah. I feel so. like we live in such an individualized society anymore where it's like, if you want kids, that's great. If you don't want kids, that's great. If you like pets, if you don't like pets, if you want a job, if you want your job to be painting murals, and you want to just make enough to get by, that's totally awesome. If you're happy, be happy. And I feel like our grumpy heroines are just missing a little something, just like the grumpy <laughs> heroes are. Mm -hmm. And so watching them find what makes them happy. Well, I love joy. Anything mm -hmm. that brings joy, finding that joy for even fictional characters is, is the best. Yeah. And Dawn, you had another one for us too. Well, and this kind of goes with what Pippa just said. The other one I was going to mention is um, the character of Lainey in Make Me Shiver by Marie Johnston, because we meet Lainey in the first book, which is Make Me Whole, and she actually hits on the hero. And I know when I was reading it, I was like, oh, girl, back up. No, <laughs> I don't know what you think you're doing. I don't know who you think you are. No. And you don't really like her for most of that book but then there is a moment between her and the heroine where you're like oh okay so you're not so bad you still need to stay away from him but you're you're not so bad it's okay you can she needs a friend you can be your friend and then in make me shiver you find out that the story is Lainey went off from the small town to go be the person in the big city to make the money and she actually got married while she was there and didn't tell anybody because she was estranged from her family. And then there was a absolute family emergency. She had to rush back. Her husband refused to come with her. And so now she is back in the small town trying to take care of her family, trying to live down this reputation that she has for being this terrible person. And deal with the fact that this guy didn't love her enough to come with her until he shows up on the front porch. So it's a really good twist on the trope, I think. Mm -hmm. But it's the same kind of finding yourself. Mm -hmm. Finding, and like you were talking about, you have the character that has to deal with the being from the rich family and living up to a certain expectation she's had these certain expectations already put on her mm -hmm. that everybody's only seeing half the story. Mm -hmm. And so she's, she really turns out to be a lot of fun. Oh, I love that two sides to every story. Mm -hmm. I go into like, you know, the unlikable heroines, like there, there's another side to this. 
And yeah. even in real life, I'm always like, what is the other side of that story? <laughs> <laughs> I used to be a therapist. So yeah, I definitely always want to know everybody else's other side of the story. <laughs> so I'm very nosy. Um, and Don, yours kind of leads into mine. I'm recommending another one of my own books, which I usually don't do you guys, but this it's easier to talk about our own <laughs> books sometimes because um, we know the background of it, the story. But um, Rebecca in The Ones Who You Can't Forget is the name of the book. But um, this is my Once Who Got Away series. This is the school shooting backstory. So it's for um, heroines that they went through a school shooting prom night and they're getting back together um, 10 years later for a documentary and there's the heroes and stuff are involved too. But Rebecca was the good girl in high school in the sense of she was like the straight A student and she performed how she was supposed to perform. And, but whereas that's usually like a likable trait, hers is unlikable because she was a little too good at it. You know, like it was a little too focused on being um, that girl. She was proper and all of this stuff. And so in book one, She's a little bit, not um, a villain because she is with the other girls, but she was um, the heroine in the first book's kind of nemesis because the hero could be seen with her. He couldn't be seen with the heroine of the first book because of societal, you know, cultural reasons, all this stuff. Um, So you kind of are geared not to like her too much. And then in book two, um, you find out she's grown up to be a divorce attorney. Um, She is kind of hard, you know, hardened about love and doesn't think, I mean, she sees divorce all day. So she's not exactly looking for love in her life. And then um, Wes, the hero recently got divorced, lost everything in the divorce. And she was a divorce attorney for his ex. So yeah, because I'm mean like that. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> but he rescues her from a mugging and they kind of start, you know, talking and everything, but I gave her an unlikable start in the sense she doesn't even like understand the love of puppies like she doesn't understand why people in divorce court like will give up the house if they can have the dog she's like what is wrong with people so I really like I didn't even give her love of puppies you guys (laughs) Um, but things are obviously going to turn around but she was fun to write because like you talk about how we don't like things in ourselves sometimes I was a salutatorian of my high school class. I was obsessed with straight A's and like, so of all my characters, Rebecca's pretty aligned with my like, you know, high school self. Um, So I took that part of like being obsessed with being perfect um, and explored that in the book. So I really, she's close to my heart because of that. But yeah, she is, you know, got a journey for her and it's, she was unlikable in a acceptable way almost. Like she's what she was told to do. She did what she was told to do, um, but it still made her, unhappy and unlikable anyway like she followed what she was supposed to do and it still didn't give her what she wanted so that is the ones you can't forget all right I did want to give y'all one kind of thriller recommendation since we've been very heavily romanced today um but it's never saw me coming by Vera Korean I talked about this way back in episode two but it's a dark campus thriller um and I'll just give you the back cover on this one because it's hard to explain otherwise um, it would be easy to underestimate Chloe Sevra. She's a freshman honor student, a Lagan wearing hot girl next door, who also happens to be a psychopath. She spends her times on yoga lattes, frat parties, and plotting to kill Will Bachman, a childhood friend who grievously wronged her. Chloe, Chloe is one of seven students at her DC-based college who are part of an unusual clinical study of psychopaths, students like herself who lack empathy and can't comprehend emotions like fear or guilt. The study led by renowned psychologists requires them to wear smartwatches that track their moods and movements. When one of the students in the study is found murdered in the psychology building, a dangerous game of cat and mouse begins and Chloe goes from hunter to prey. As she races to identify the killer and put her own plan for revenge into action, she'll be forced to decide if she can trust any of her fellow fellow psychopaths and everybody knows you should never trust a psychopath. So I love that, you know, she's a psychopath heroine, like diagnosed, has no empathy, Um, but she is so darkly funny. Like she, her observations are about, you know, life and stuff are just seen through a different lens than we would see it. Pippa, it's kind of like what you were saying with the book you recommended of, you know, someone who's on the spectrum is going to not have the same filter with the empathy mm-hmm. and stuff. And she becomes oddly likable, even though she's like, you know, out to murder a guy, but you kind of like, well, he kind of might deserve it. Um, and <laughs> being in her head of someone with no empathy, I also have high empathy on my strengths thing is so interesting to me. It's like how you could look through life and just not see that part um so I ended up really liking her even though she's you know not a good person <laughs> so she's she's out to kill somebody but that is never saw me coming by Vera Curian 
All right, well, we have reached the end of our main um, recommendations, but we always do, Pippa, at the end of the episode, we do Rad Reading Recs of the Week, which is our top recs um, that we put on a page on our website. So Dawn, um, what is your Rad Rec of the Week? Mine this week is Paper Ghost by Julia Haberlin. And I got this one as an advanced read of several years ago. And I remember really loving it then. And then it kind of just faded from my memory. So I was so excited when I was trying to pick something for this week. And I was like, oh, oh, I remember that one. I liked that one. That was a good one. So the tagline for this I thought was awesome because it's a Texas map marked with three dots like drops of blood, a serial killer who claims to have dementia and a mysterious young woman who wants answers. What could go wrong? And this is the story of a girl who her sister was murdered. And the person who they're pretty sure did it, he's never been convicted of it, but they're pretty sure did it, has dementia and is now living in a home. And it starts off with this girl there who is claiming to be his daughter and starts talking about how she's taking him on a trip. And it's all about her trying to find the truth. And she takes him on a 10 day road trip through Texas. So of course, you know, I got to read that. And they're looking at these photographs and trying to, she's trying to do anything to get him to jog his memory, to get him to tell her what happened to her sister. So it's this whole, you're not sure if he's just really that good at lying and he doesn't have dementia or if his brain is really that checked out and she's never going to get the answers. And this is when it has a very methodical pacing to it. It is not a breakneck thriller speed. The middle of it kind of, I almost put it down, but I was really glad I stayed till the end. Awesome. My recommendation is an oldie, um, but goodie. And it's a good one to start fresh if you haven't um, read it because a, a TV show is coming out, but it's Vampire Academy by Rochelle Mead. So you guys who are scared, you need to read it before seven. <laughs> so, um, Will do. Right. But I first read this book back in 2009 um, and it's six books, I believe, but there's a new TV series coming out based on the books. It's starting September 15th on Peacock. And I am so excited. I can't tell you guys how excited I am. So this book is um, about Rose Hathaway and she is not the most likable person at the start of the series. So I thought it was a good pick for our unlikable heroines, but um, the back cover is Love and loyalty run deeper than blood. St. Vladimir's Academy isn't just any boarding school. It's a hidden place where vampires are educated in the ways of magic and half-human teens trained to protect them. Rose Hathaway is a dampier, a bodyguard for her best friend, Lissa, a Moroy vampire princess. They've been on the run, but now they're being dragged back to St. Vladimir's, the very place where they're most in danger. Rose and Lissa become enmeshed in forbidden romance, the Academy's ruthless social scene and unspeakable nighttime rituals, but they must be careful lest the Shrigoi, the world's fiercest and most dangerous vampires, make Lissa one of them forever. So this is YA, vampire romance. Um, the books do get better as they go. So like long running series generally do, um, connected series. This one, the first book I was like, oh, I liked this. The second book, I was like, I'm in forever and I'm going to read all of these books in a row. So um, I, so if you're just kind of only a little bit sold on the first book, don't give it up. But there's action and romance and vampires and there's a really hot hero. Um, and, you know, Rose is a badass. She is the bodyguard of Lissa. And so it's a really strong female friendship. She will do anything to protect her best friend, um, including lay down her life for her. So you got a really badass heroine and she is not afraid to piss people off. She's not afraid to fight them. Um, so she's a really badass heroine. And if you want some action and romance in vampires and you want to prepare for the show, um, I highly recommend reading it. I might go back and read them again because it has been like 10 years since I've read them, but this is Vampire Academy by Rochelle Mead. All right. That is our episode for today. Thank you so much, Pippa, for being with us. This was so much fun. Thank you for having me. I had a blast. It was really good to talk heroines. <laughs> and before we go, tell us one more time about the book you have coming out. Um, Irresistible Trouble is book four in the Copper Valley Fireball series. It stars Cooper Rock, who is an egotistical playboy baby 
baby player, baseball player. <laughs> there we go. Um, oh my goodness. He's so funny. In the last book, he uh, launched a glitter bomb to end all glitter bombs to prank his sister. He's, he's a fun guy. And uh, I have paired him up with um, a pop sensation. Think like Britney Spears, Taylor Swift, pink top nice. of the world. And it's just, oh my goodness. It's so much fun. It's nice. so much fun. And where can people find you online? We'll put all of your links in the show notes, but just your main website. So if people want to go buy your books right now, they know how to go do um, that. My website is pippagrant.com and there's a link there at the top to all of my books and all my book lists. Most of them are likable heroines because I know that people like to escape and <laughs> like sit there like they're reading with their best friend, but I've got a few unlikable heroines in there too, whose journeys I just utterly adore. So if you like a good journey, like you can't go wrong with a Pippa Grant book, in my opinion, awesome. I'm not biased. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and if you just want to laugh, if you want a book that really is just going to make you laugh and bring you joy, because she's, you know, focused on joy, go find a Very book. Very much but, so. All right, you guys, we made it through with me and Dawn still having our voices, mostly. <laughs> mostly. Yay. Mostly. And I do want to say, if you are listening to us and you have any suggestions for unlikable heroines that we need to check out, we are always open to those suggestions. So you can hit us up on Facebook or Instagram or any of our other social media. Yep. All right. Well, thanks everybody. And until next time, we hope every book you pick up is rad reading.